This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Majid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. We all know something about the great master Joshu because of the koan, does a dog have the Buddha nature, which he answered, oh. But Joshu had a long life, said to have lived to be 120. And there are many stories and koans associated with him. It's said that he came to his teacher, Nansen, when he was 18. And even after having realization and receiving transmission from Nansen, he stayed with his teacher till his teacher died, by which time Joshu was already 60 years old. In those days, it was probably pretty old to start teaching. But at 60, instead of teaching, he said, spent the next 20 years on pilgrimage, going around to other teachers, testing his own realization. And it's said that it was only when he was 80 years old that he finally settled down in the town called Joshu that gave him his name, where he was able to teach for the next 40 years till he was 120. There's a koan in the Blue Cliff Record that presumably dates from those days of pilgrimage when he was already an old man, maybe about my age, uh, going around teacher to teacher. And it the case 41, it describes an encounter a teacher named Tosu. And this was said to have been a time when Buddhism was being persecuted and Tosu fled to the mountains, established a small temple in the middle of nowhere. And because the monks had no uh, reliable patronage support. He supported himself by pressing seeds and collecting oil and selling oil in the countryside. One way or another, Joshu made his way to Tosu's little temple. When he got there, he met the master and said to him, I heard there was a great teacher 
Tosu here. But now that I've arrived, all I see is an old man selling oil. Tosu said, you don't see the teacher, you only see the oil seller. Joshu asked, who then is the tea, real teacher? Tosu replied, oil for sale, oil for sale. Anybody want to buy my oil? I have to say I am... Um, just uh, bowled over with admiration for Tosu and his answer. I can't, uh, can't get over it. It is uh, perhaps the perfect expression of uh, what we hear in Dogen when he says, in the whole world, nothing is hidden. In other commentaries, it says that when anyone asked Tosu, what is Buddha? He replied, Buddha. When anyone asked him, what is the Dharma? He replied, the Dharma. So how do you understand these kinds of answers? It's very curious in a certain way that Joshu says, I've come all this way, but I don't see the great Tosu. I only see the oil seller. Because many of you will uh, hear an echo of that in a, another koan told about Joshu himself, presumably when he was settled down in the town of Joshu, uh, which was famous for its stone bridge a genuine architectural marvel. And here the monk comes to Joshu and says, I've come all the way to see the famous stone bridge of Joshu, but now that I'm here, I only see a rickety wooden bridge. And Joshu said, you don't see the stone bridge, you only see the wooden bridge. The monk says, what then is the stone bridge? of Joshu. Joshu replied, it lets horses cross, it lets asses cross. What do we make of the fact that this, that same question is echoed in the two encounters? It may be that it was a stock kind of phrase or question in those days. I've come to see the great teacher, but all I see is an old man. Maybe monks always used to ask that, the way they asked, why did Bodhidharma come from the West? Sort of challenging the teacher, show me your stuff. Or maybe it would say, praise that got associated with the name of Joshu. And when they put together the koan collections, one compiler put it, with Joshu being the questioner, another put it together with him being uh, the one being challenged. You don't know how these stories are put together and told and transmitted. 
if we think of jo Joshua's move as the epitome of the gateless gate or the gateless barrier, it typifies our experience of life being an obstacle rather than life being open in every direction. So we chant the great way lives beneath our feet, extending freely in every direction. When you confront Mu, it feels like it's just the opposite. The gate is closed, you don't know how to open it. And Joshu, when he talks about his bridge, says, anybody can cross. Horses cross, asses cross. You don't have to be anything special. Even a fool like you, he says to the monk, can cross. Another case, when asked, what is Joshu? He says, East Gate, West Gate, North Gate, South Gate. Enter anywhere, is the message. Those are all wonderful answers, but in a certain sense, they seem rather abstract. Tosu's answer, who wants to buy my oil? Shows the gate open in a whole different kind of way. See, I think Joshu's question and our approach to practice almost always says there's something deeper to be gotten. We're all stuck in a kind of superficial self, a false self, preoccupied, worried, million thoughts buzzing around in our head, buffeted by desire, frustration. Underneath that all, there must be a true self, a calm self, a mind that is completely clear or empty. No thoughts, no troublesome feelings, just this perfectly clear mirror of awareness. That's what I want to cultivate in meditation. And Tosu just says, forget about that. Stay completely on the surface. Forget about the depths. What's right here, right now, right in front of you. Who am I? I'm the oil seller. How is that different from the teacher? It's a kind of radical superficiality. 
it really declares nothing is hidden. And that the thing that you're seeking is actually obstructed by the very nature of your search. When you think the gate is closed, you're endlessly fighting against it. You can't see how it is already open. It's like endlessly pulling on the door that says push. Now I would suggest as we begin uh, this next month looking into uh, this new collection of uh, Joko's talks, Ordinary Wonder, that we begin by thinking of her also as a radically superficial teacher. What we see her doing is not instructing us in concentration, not talking about how to clear your mind of thoughts and settle into deep, some deep silence of samadhi. She's not trying to tell you to discover your true self deep down inside someplace. She's saying, pay very close attention to your thoughts. We're not here to make them go away. Be like a stenographer, she says, get them all down. Label them, get to know them, get to know them in their repetitiveness. No, but don't, don't fight them. We're not here to banish them. We're here to become intimate with them. And our body, and our feelings. Feel your body. Feel the tension. Feel the emotion, the resistance. We're not here to cut through all that as fast as we can. To do that is to, to bypass our true nature in the pursuit of our true nature. I think I will leave it there and we can uh, go more into this in our discussion period. But I'll leave you with that challenge to think of Joko in, in, in her own way uh, being the old oil seller.